Hello and welcome to the Top Story, a podcast that brings you the headlines of the day with the help of our correspondents from around the world. I'm Tian Yu. Coming up in this edition, Japan's nuclear regulator has granted the certificate permitting the release of the nuclear wastewater from the Fukushima plant. All eyes are on China-U.S. relations as U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen meets Chinese officials during her four-day visit in Beijing. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Sweden's membership in the alliance is within reach despite opposition from Turkey. Starting in Asia, Japan's nuclear regulator has granted approval to Tokyo Electric Power, the operator of the Fukushima nuclear power plant, to start releasing more than a million tons of treated radioactive water into the sea. Earlier in the week, the International Atomic Energy Agency said Japan's water release plan would have negligible environmental impact. The certificate issued by the Japanese regulator on Friday is the final step for the plan to go ahead. Meantime, South Korea released its own assessment, saying the Japanese plan meets international standards if it's carried out as detailed in the proposal. However, the country's main opposition party strongly condemned the plan. Democratic Party of Korea floor leader Park Kwangun warned of the long-term effects if Japan proceeds with the discharge. Releasing contaminated water into the sea is probably the cheapest option in the short term. However, in the long run, considering the public's health concerns as well as the loss of related industries such as fisheries, it will soon become clear that the release will likely be the most costly method. In Beijing, China Customs says it will ban food imports from 10 Japanese prefectures, including Fukushima, for safety reasons. The Customs says the water disposal plan has raised concerns among Chinese consumers, and China Customs will take all necessary measures to guarantee food safety for its people. Countries in the Pacific have also added their concerns about Japan's planned discharge of contaminated water into the Pacific Ocean. Owen Poland is in New Zealand. New Zealand's Ministry of Health has monitored radioactivity since the disaster in 2011. The ministry says that radioactive material is expected to reach New Zealand waters between 2026 and 2031. One of New Zealand's leading experts on nuclear physics says that he's concerned about the potential for radioactive material with long half-lives to enter the food chain and possibly end up in human thyroid glands. A recent conference of experts and community leaders from across the Pacific has also condemned Japan's release of the wastewater over the next 30 years. The Pacific Alliance says that the radioactive material needs to be stored securely for up to 160 years so that it becomes more stable and doesn't cause biological or ecological harm. As a result, the Alliance has called on the Japanese government to immediately end the discharges into the Pacific Ocean. And they've also called on the New Zealand government to stand by its commitment to a nuclear-free Pacific. That was Owen Poland reporting from Auckland, New Zealand. Still in Asia, all eyes are on the China-U.S. relations as U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen meets Chinese officials in Beijing amid strained ties. Yellen arrived in Beijing on Thursday, kicking off her four-day visit in search for common ground and mending ties. Zheng Chuanying reports from Beijing. 
Well, the main aim, as Yellen put it in her tweet, is going to seek a healthy economic competition that benefits American workers and firms and to collaborate on global challenges. And some of uh, the top priorities from the U.S. side is that they hope um, to persuade China to refrain from reducing its holdings of U.S. Treasury bonds and instead uh, increase them at the appropriate time to help the U.S. address inflation issues. And when it comes to China's goals, uh, some of the main priorities for Beijing is that Beijing wants to reduce Trump-era tariffs on Chinese goods and possibly end sanctions on companies and individuals, which China argues not only hurt Chinese companies, uh, but also affect U.S. businesses as well. And according to an announcement made by the Minister of Finance, Yellen's trip to China this time is seen as a concrete measure to implement the important consensus reached during the Bali meeting between the Chinese and U.S. president and to strengthen communication and exchanges between the two countries in the financial field. The announcement also said that the Sino-U.S. economic ties benefited both sides and that there would be no winners if there is trade tensions. So uh, we know that Yellen is viewed as pragmatic and she has called for many times uh, a healthy economic relationship between the two economies, adding that decoupling from China would be uh, disastrous. So it is hoped by some that her visit to China will get uh, China-U.S. relations back on a less hostile That was Zhang Chunying in Beijing. Moving on to Europe, NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Sweden's membership in the alliance is within reach. But Turkey seems to be unwilling to change its stance opposing Sweden's inclusion in the alliance. Ankara still has concerns about groups that it considers terrorists in Sweden. Alex Kadia reports. Turkey is still opposing Stockholm's bid to join the alliance. Turkish authorities have raised objections over the activities of pro-Kurdish organizations in Sweden. Ankara says these are linked to the PKK, a group it has labeled as a terrorist organization. Turkey also expressed strong condemnation after a far-right activist burned a Koran in the streets of Stockholm last week, a move allowed by Swedish courts. On Thursday, NATO Secretary-General Jens Stoltenberg convened a meeting of Turkish, Swedish and Finnish government officials to try and hash out an agreement. While that didn't happen, Stoltenberg remained positive about the prospect of a deal. We made good progress in the meeting today. Uh, uh, It is absolutely possible to have a positive decision at the uh, summit next week. Uh, And uh, we all agreed that uh, uh, the uh, finalization, the the ratification of of Swedish uh, membership uh, into NATO uh, should happen as soon as possible. The NATO chief will now have a meeting with the Swedish Prime Minister Ulf Kristersson and Turkish President Erdogan on Monday. Once again, the goal will be to put the final touches on Sweden's membership. Jens Stoltenberg is clear. He thinks Sweden has honoured the commitments it made to satisfy Turkey's concerns back in June last year and that it should be allowed to join as soon as possible. So now all eyes are on the NATO summit in Vilnius next week where leaders could, maybe, sign off on the alliance's 32nd member. That was Alex Kadia reporting. Still in Europe, Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko says the leader of the private military company Wagner Group is backing Russia. Two weeks ago, Lukashenko helped broker a deal for the group's leader Yevgeny Prigozhin to leave Russia for Belarus. Dasha Chernyshova reports. According to the president of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, the head of the Wagner paramilitary group Yevgeny Prigozhin, is no longer in Belarus. Instead, he claimed he is in Russia, with some reports indicating the mercenary leader is in St. Petersburg. 
Lukashenko added that Prigozhin is absolutely free and Putin will not wipe him out. Lukashenko brokered the deal between the Wagner boss and the Kremlin last month, which provided for Prigozhin going to Belarus and all charges against him dropped and amnesty for his troops. His fighters were also supposed to be offered contracts to join the Russian army. Belarus says the issue of relocating forces from the Wagner mercenary group has not been resolved, with Lukashenko's offer to accommodate some fighters in Belarus still on the table. Belarus, he said, could benefit from Wagner's expertise. Further discussions will be taking place in a meeting between Lukashenko and Russian President Vladimir Putin. On the question of Russian tactical nuclear weapons in Belarus, Lukashenko ruled out a nuclear strike on Ukraine, saying the weapons were stationed against external threats. He also volunteered to mediate talks between Moscow and Kiev, stressing there is a chance that by the autumn the sides may get to the negotiating table. That was Dasha Chernyshova in Moscow. Now on to the Americas. United Nations officials are calling for action to resolve the Iranian nuclear issue. They're asking the UN Security Council members to agree to fully implement the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action signed in 2015. The plan aimed to address concerns about Iran's nuclear program by imposing restrictions on its nuclear activities in exchange for sanction relief. UN officials say it's the only way of ensuring that Iran does not develop a nuclear weapon. The meeting came as Britain announced a raft of new sanctions against Tehran. Jody Jacobs has more. It was a heated session in the UN Security Council, up for debate the implementation of the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action, better known as the Iran Nuclear Deal. Negotiations have stalled since former President Donald Trump withdrew the U.S., from the pact back in 2018, while member states remain divided on several key issues. The Secretary General has appealed to the United States to lift or waive its sanctions against Iran as part of the plan and for Iran to reverse the steps it has taken to enhance its nuclear program in the past few years. Iran is fully determined to vigorously pursue its peaceful nuclear activities, including enrichment at various levels required on the monitoring and verification of the IEA. Iran's nuclear program has continuously been scrutinized by the IEA most robust monitoring and verification. As the meeting was taking place, the United Kingdom announced a raft of new sanctions against Iran over human rights abuses by expanding existing penalties. In South America, environment ministers from eight South American countries are meeting in Colombia to discuss ways of protecting the Amazon forest. The meeting is a prelude to the Amazon summit to be hosted by Brazil in August. The Amazon is the largest rainforest in the world, and 60% of it is located in Brazil. Michelle Beggy has more from Bogota. The road to the Amazon summit is a technical scientific meeting continuing through Saturday in the Colombian city Leticia in the Amazon. Participants will discuss strategies to reduce illegal deforestation in the Amazon and issues like transnational environmental crimes, the rights of indigenous peoples and sustainable economic alternatives that support conservation efforts. Colombia's environmental minister said these efforts are a prelude to Brazil hosting the Amazon summit in the city of Belém. The summit will mark the 45th anniversary of the Amazon Cooperation Treaty Organization, formed by the eight Amazonian countries. 
Why a sense of urgency? Recent studies published by the Climate Action Initiative say the Amazon rainforest is near a tipping point, meaning deforestation could reach a point of no return, where most of its vegetation would be lost and cause a regional climate collapse that will affect the entire planet. On Saturday, Colombian President Gustavo Petro will meet with Brazilian President Luis Inácio Lula da Silva as meeting participants present them with policy proposals and any agreements reached. That was Michelle Beggy in Colombia. In Africa, leaders of South Africa and the Democratic Republic of the Congo have pledged to strengthen cooperation on security and trade. DRC President Felix Shisekedi signed deals to strengthen the two sides' partnership with visiting South African President Cyril Ramaphosa. Chris Okamringa reports. Currently, the DRC and South Africa have 38 bilateral agreements that they have signed over the years in the areas of agriculture, health, energy and defense. But they want to take this relationship to a higher level. Now, Congolese officials have really been very uh, happy that South Africa has been helping them, especially in the area of security. There are a number of Congolese uh, soldiers who are getting training in South Africa to be able to come back to this country to defend their nation from the numerous armed groups that have been wreaking havoc in Eastern DRC. And uh, during a press conference earlier, both President Ramaphosa and uh, Chisekedi spoke about how they have had this long-standing relationship and that they will take it now to a much higher level. We talked about the biggest problem we have, which is security. We appreciate the visit of the president and the involvement of his country when it comes to our security. We are planning on having bilateral agreements beyond the ones we have under the regional bloc. We value the relationship between South Africa and the DRC greatly. It's a relationship that dates way back and has its great, the, the strong foundation from the commitment that Nelson Mandela demonstrated towards the DRC. Now, South Africa has, soldiers are among the largest troop contributors in the United Nations peacekeeping mission, MONUSCO, here in the DRC. That was Chris Okamringa reporting. Before we go, here's a recap of the top stories. Japan's nuclear regulator has granted the certificate permitting the release of the nuclear wastewater from the Fukushima plant. All eyes are on China-U.S. relations as U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen meets Chinese officials during her four-day visit in Beijing. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg says Sweden's membership in the alliance is within reach despite opposition from Turkey. That concludes this edition of The Top Story, a podcast that brings you world headlines every weekday. For more news in politics, business, sports, and culture, you can subscribe to The Beijing Hour, a one-hour podcast news magazine program. We welcome and appreciate all ratings and reviews. I'm Tian Yu. Thank you for listening.